You wake up, weary-eyed, fatigued, and confused as to where you are. You're in a broken-down bus, and you read something written on the walls. Commands! Clearly stating, do not disobey. What do you do? Would you follow the commands? And a man wakes up to a hellish landscape, where the tarmac is frozen, and his body struck by pain that shivers through him like small, sharp needles, tweezering themselves from beneath his skin and into his very core. Listeners, join me today for two episodes. Our first is Do Not Disobey, and our second is simply titled Dirt. Dirt is a multi-chapter story, and I'll be finishing this off Friday. It is not safe for little ears. Keep the children away and do not blare the audio out in a public space. Unless you want some strange looks hidden your way. It covers explicit adult content and particularly gore and trauma. Turn off the lights, my wonderful titans, warlords, enforcers, and new listeners. And turn up the sound and join me for two harrowing tales. Do not disobey. When I awoke, I found myself sitting in the front seat of a bus and glanced at the window beside me, but all I could see was pitch black darkness. The bus's engine was rumbling, but I couldn't tell if the bus was in motion. There was no driver. I noticed as I looked straight ahead, and there was a metal wall where the windshield should be. Written on the wall, in a red-brown substance, were three lines of words. They read, Do not turn around. Do not speak. Do not lie. I knew that I wasn't dreaming. I looked behind me, not sure if I would be relieved if there happened to be someone else in the bus with me. I saw no one. All of the seats were empty. As I turned back to face the front of the bus, I heard a large bang against the wall as if the bus had hit something. On the wall, where there was once three lines of text, now only had two. Do not speak, and do not lie. I held my breath, immediately recalling that the first line warned not to turn around. My stomach churned, and I started feeling nauseous as I looked up at the wall. Wondering if I'd only imagined the first line of text, I turned around again to make sure no one may have been hiding under a seat. But before I stood up to check, I saw a large figure sitting at the back of the bus. I ducked behind the seat back, my heart pounding rapidly. I had only looked for about a second, but slowly the image of the figure I saw took form in my mind. It was a giant cricket, sitting on its abdomen with its legs crossed. I threw up on the floor still ducking at my feet. I was terrified. I tried to open the window, but it wouldn't budge. Despite there being no visible lock, I pounded on the window and shouted for help. Suddenly, the engine shut off. I could hear nothing but my own breathing and heartbeat. I waited to catch my breath and listened to see if I could hear any noise from the opposite end of the bus. I heard nothing. 
I was ready to run to the doors of the bus and try to push my way out through them. But when I faced the front end of the bus, I was once again greeted with missing text. Do not speak was no longer written on the wall, and only do not lie remained. Was I in the twilight zone? Was I really dreaming and simply living the most realistic nightmare I had ever experienced? I asked myself these questions, trying to calm myself, but I recalled the cricket I saw sitting behind me. The first time I turned around, nothing was there, but when I took a second look, the cricket appeared. Of course, it was only a glance, so maybe I had just imagined it, as well as the writing on the wall. I didn't want to turn around, but as I sat there, I feared that if a figure was there, it would approach and attack me soon. I slowly peeked from the side of my seat and immediately regretted it. I could very clearly see the cricket was now standing on its back legs. It was about five feet tall, and its eyes were the size of baseballs. I cursed to myself and began to hear the chirps of crickets. They were faint, but they were definitely coming from inside the bus. Who are you? I asked. The chirping, rather than stopping, when I shouted, multiplied. I was sweating heavily, still glued to my seat. Please, leave me alone! The sounds grew louder. I started to cry, but very quickly my sobs were drowned out with a chorus of thousands of cricket sounds. My head was pounding, and I couldn't take it anymore. I stood up and looked back at the cricket. It stood a few seats closer now, staring at me. Sitting behind the cricket were what appeared to be people with their faces bitten off. I slowly walked backwards towards the bus door, keeping eye contact with the giant insect. Once I was beside the doors, I turned to kick them open. They didn't budge. As I turned back, I saw that the cricket was now several seats closer than before. All of the seats behind it were occupied by people whose heads had been chewed up. I quickly jumped back into my seat. I poked my head up and cried as I saw the cricket was now only a few seats away from me. I crawled to the floor and sat on my vomit. When I looked up, the giant bug was now behind my seat, staring down at me. My whimpers were inaudible. My eardrums popped as the bug stood over me and the chirps raged. I was afraid to look away or hide under the seat because the thing could very easily appear beside me if I so much as glanced away for a second. I wanted to close my eyes, but that same fear of being attacked kept my eyes stuck on the cricket. I put my arms before me to protect myself, waiting to be devoured. The cricket slowly began to raise one of its legs and reach down towards me. Attached to the leg was a sheet of paper. It shook the paper off and it fell on my lap. I looked down at the paper and saw a question, and read, Are you going to die now? I closed my eyes shut and covered my ears, sobbing profusely. I nodded my head. Dirt, Chapter 1 The sounds of people screaming filled my ears. 
and a dull pain was throbbing in my head. I realized I was lying on a cold, hard surface, and I had a faint metallic taste in my mouth. I gave a splutter and opened my eyes. They felt like they were full of needles. I waited for my pain-filled eyes to focus as the swirls of colors around me began to form shapes which gradually became more and more detailed. The world lay on its side, and I saw broken, half-demolished buildings weep fire and smoke. The sky was a dark shade of crimson. The sound of screaming just wouldn't stop, but I couldn't see anyone that could be making the noises. The surface I was laying on turned out to be the remains of a road. The cracked tarmac beneath me was freezing. I peeled my face off the frigid ground and sat up. Every bone in my body ached, and I found it very difficult to move around without a sharp pain jolting through me. I rubbed my throbbing head and groaned. A woman began wailing shrilly above the other screaming voices, but she stopped suddenly, and her cries were replaced with a gurgling sound, which also cut out, and the other screams filled the void. I look at the raging inferno that used to be Des Moines, the capital of Iowa, and stood mesmerized. How could this carnage have taken place in the few hours I'd been asleep? I shuffled around 360 degrees on my ass. The entire city was completely destroyed. The buildings were in ruin. The mainframe of the high-rise apartment blocks and the office buildings were all crumbling. The windows were broken and fire spewed from them, licking at the air that had been tinted a foul grey. I remember the night before. Everything was how it should have been. I recall giving my friend Rebecca a call in the evening to organize something at the weekend. We were going to go bowling. After that, I went onto my computer for a few hours and watched a horror movie before going to bed. A fact which I am beginning to regret. With the thoughts of demons and killers racing through my head, I called a night and fell asleep in an instant. The fear of a murderer residing under my bed had long since vanished. If something was wrong, or if something happened, I would have known right away. The apartment I live in overlooks the whole city, and the walls in my room are paper thin, so the slightest little noise, every scratch, every bump, everything. There is no way this could have happened in such a short space of time without me knowing about it. Unless I'd been asleep for much longer than I thought. Yes, perhaps I was drugged. Or maybe I had been hit over the head. That would explain me being slumped down on the tarmac. That fucking tarmac was so damn cold. That couldn't have been the case though. Unless I was kept under constant sedative for a very long period of time. Which seemed rather pointless to me if I was going to be dumped into the street anyway. There is still no way in hell that the entire city could have been destroyed in the time it would have taken for me to wake up. So, what the fuck could have done all this? The screaming never stopped. With great strain, I crawled on my hands and knees and awkwardly pulled myself onto my feet, and that's when I noticed it. The tarmac around was covered with dirt. I mean, plastered, buried. There was just dirt everywhere as far as the eye could see, all except the one little area I had been lying in. I froze in place for some reason I did not like the look of it at all. 
There was something, I don't know how else to say, wrong with it. The dirt was heaped very evenly as though someone had carefully applied set amounts to set areas of land and then leveled them out with utmost perfection. It must have taken God knows how long to do. How could someone even go about doing something like this anyway? What would they need to put dirt on the ground in a city for? It's not like any crops could grow in the middle of the road. And the question that made me shudder the most, why? I had a niggling feeling in my head, an instinct if you will, to stay away from the dirt, not to touch it no matter what. I didn't know why I felt that way, but I usually follow my gut with these sort of things. I had no idea what I was going to do when I became hungry, felt the urge to sleep, required shelter in the event of a downpour or storm, or when I felt the need to urinate. I felt like not even my piss should be allowed to touch this cursed soil. But for the time being, I decided to just stay in my little bold patch of tarmac and sit tight in the hope that someone might come staggering from the ruin looking for help. In my heart, however, I knew this just wasn't going to happen. I tried stretching my arms and legs in an attempt to relieve myself of the aching in my body, thinking that perhaps I was just hurting from the cold. Another high-pitched scream. What the hell could be making those sounds? There isn't a damn thing here. After about half an hour of pacing up and down my few feet of clean land, I began to feel a little better, but a new feeling which was just as bad as the aches and pains had replaced the old. It was the inescapable feeling of total dread, like something was about to come crashing ferociously from behind one of the ruined structures at any minute and tear me apart. The screams began to get to me. At every cry of anguish, I whipped around in a fear-filled frenzy to try and identify where each one was coming from each time to no avail. The dread with me grew and grew at every yell, every dull moan, and every screeching voice. I lost track of time, although it felt like an eternity, and I was sadly aware that I had developed a paranoid routine from which I could not break. Scream, jump, look around wildly, tense up nervously, relax, scream. I felt like screaming myself. I was beginning to cramp up from being tensed for so long. My fear spewed out of me in the form of frightened yelps, cold sweats and neck hairs that stood to attention profusely. It was at that point I made the mistake of glancing at my feet. I was ankle deep in the satanic dirt that surrounded the dead city. In my blind fear of the unknown, I must have stepped out of my holy ground without even realizing. It was cold and seethed beneath me. It crawled up my legs and squelched in my shoes, molesting my feet and corrupting them, denaturing my toes and seeping into the cracks in my skin. I felt a warm release slip down my leg, and I vomited. The vomit rested on the surface of the dirt and swam there for a moment before bubbling angrily, turning black and becoming part of the shadowy mass below. I just stared at where it had been and gave a feeble yelp before the world defocused 
and I lost all consciousness. Chapter 2 I awoke with my head once again throbbing madly and to my dismay, I was greeted by the sound of blood-curling screams, now louder than ever. It had become very dark and somewhat humid. Where the fuck was I? There was a faint orange glow coming from somewhere in the distance. It wasn't much, but it was enough to faintly see by. After a few hours of optical adjustment, that is. The glow illuminated what appeared to be some sort of vast underground bunker. The walls were shimmering with what I assumed to be water, and the floor was covered with moss and fungal growths. There was a vile smell in the air, and it reminded me of the basement below my mother's house. It smelled of damp. Ugh. Where is it coming from? I tried lifting my head up to look around and felt a sharp tug on my hair which sent a sharp pain through my head. Once again I tried looking up to be greedy with the same tugging. I went to reach for my head to see if my hair had been caught in some sort of dirt when I hit the ground or if some gruesome entity was holding it, but I quickly found my arms were also incapable of movement. I panicked and thrashed madly at whatever had me and found that my legs and upper torso were also held tight. The black haze before my eyes began to lift and I saw with hazy vision that I had been pinned down to some sort of rack on the wall with great leather straps. I flailed in another attempt to break my restraints, but the straps proved to be too thick. I may as well have been trying to break through a wall. Nevertheless, the little spark of hope in my mind told me that if I continue struggling after a while, the restraints may begin to loosen, or maybe someone would hear me and find me. Do they ever fucking stop screaming? After what must have been the best part of two hours of non-stop wiggling in place, I finally gave up. My limbs and torso were red and bloody from where the leather had dug into my skin, and I felt a wave of despair hit me like a train and cried tears of terror and anger. The screams had become louder still and were more fearful. I heard the sound of someone crying hysterically, and another voice was shouting out incoherent words and sentences. The only words I could make out were, Never leave. I felt a dripping coming from above me, and a faint sound had begun to ring over the sound of the screaming. It was unlike any sound I have ever heard before. The only way I could describe it was like the clang of a hammer makes when striking an anvil. But it was... Alive. It sounded as if this hammer had a voice to it, the clangs changing pitch rapidly as if something was communicating with something else in some ancient language. Clang! I prefer the screams. The screams have structure. The dripping above me persisted and I tried to crane my neck up to see what it was. I couldn't do it, obviously, but after a while the steady dripping of my head began to infuriate Madden me. I had to see what was falling on my head. It was my goal for the next hour. When I finally stopped trying to look up at the ceiling, all the muscles in my neck were pulled and aching horribly. I looked at the orange light again and noticed it had gone slightly brighter, 
like it was moving towards me. I dismissed it and decided to try and get some sleep. That sounded like a wonderful idea, so I shut my eyes and eventually fell into a very uneasy sleep. In my dreams, I heard screaming, screaming and clanging. Chapter 3 I was awoken by an ear-splitting wail, much louder than the other screams and close, very close. My eyes shot open and the light hit me like a fucking train. The orange light had become blindingly bright and I reshut my eyes for a moment to allow them to once again adjust, this time to the light. I slowly opened them again and saw that it was emanating from the ground. The underground chamber had been illuminated except for the ceiling. I looked down the corridor and I gasped in horror. The whole bunker contained millions of mutilated people who were, like me, stuck fast to the walls. Their insides dangling before them, swinging like pendulums in time to the writhing. Many of their rib cages had been forced open, exposing their vital organs. The broken pieces of bone digging into their lungs and parts of their liver. A pool of blood had gathered at the feet of every one of them and I saw that the water on the walls was not water at all, but rather blood. Blood and various entrails scattering the walls and floor. Why? Why indeed, my unfortunate friend. Why indeed? I was in shock and awe that every single one of these poor souls was still alive and all the while screaming. Their digestive tracts continued to work as normal, but they had turned black from a lack of oxygen and were spilling out of their bodies in a twisted knot as they shat themselves uncontrollably, their feces spilling out of their defiled anuses, lathering their legs and feet. Their excrement was unusually viscous. These wasted bodies must have all been fed through some sort of drip, but I couldn't see any tubes or syringes. Maybe they were being force-fed. Either way, it was disgusting. I gagged at how stretched their chewed-up limbs looked and how incomplete they were. And that's what I decided to call them. The incomplete. This slaughter chamber stretched for miles, and I wondered to myself exactly how many people were here and how in the name of God they were all still alive. I figured they must have been administered regular shots of adrenaline and God knows how many other chemicals, but the fact that not a one had died was simply too much. I looked to my left and amongst all the incomplete, I saw someone who looked totally whole, strapped to the wall like me. It became apparent that this was the person who woke me because... She was giving me choked screams in between great long sobs of panic, filled crying, way more audible than the others. I tried to call out to her, to try and calm her down. I thought that the sight of a fellow being would give her a sense of some relief, but she was so scared and distraught that she didn't hear me. The orange light burned behind my eyes and imprinted itself onto my retinas. It began to shimmer and distort before me, and I noticed a large black mass gathering before the poor girl. It was as if the shadows that were being cast in the bunker were being manipulated by some unseen force and being made to group 
in front of this terrified young woman. The dark figure that was materializing seemed to slowly suck all of the light out of the chamber the more it grew. As this malevolent black specter rose to about 10 feet, broken looking, distorted limbs started sprouting from it. They were long and seemed sharp, even though this shadow had no details as of then, just perfect blackness. Finally, this shadow man stopped growing and began to shimmer, not with light, but with some kind of supernatural energy. It's hard to describe, but it was as if something inside of us, whatever this dark creature was, started to pulse and throb as if trying to force its way out. The incomplete had become eerily quiet, and a look of primal terror had come over each and every one of their faces. They knew what this thing was, and they were afraid of it. Chapter 4 The glow that had once completely lit the entire place had now been completely absorbed by the shadow being, and I was once again plunged into darkness. The silence rung in my ears with a static buzz, and I tensed in apprehension as to what would happen next. Then after some time, my vision once again returned to me as light refilled this palace of torture. This time, however, the light was radiating from this thing that had finally come into complete existence. It was as if every form of light and shadow around us had been focused into this being and had somehow been fused into one enormous dark light. I know that sounds impossible, but that's just what it was. Dark light. It continued to pulse with its demonic power and I cringed at its outward appearance. Behind the dark light that it cast was a hideous body. Its bones, if that's what they even were, had been forced out of its skin at the spine, shoulders and elbows, and jutted out at uneven angles. Dark blood dripped off the tips and landed with a little splash on the ground. It hunched over as if in pain, and I noticed that it didn't have any hands. That sharp quality to its upper limbs I mentioned earlier, the reason for that was because it didn't have any real upper limbs. Where there should have been were large cracked pieces of bone that extended out and formed sharp points at the end. They were also throbbing, but not in time with the rest of this thing's body. It was as if they were in control of themselves. What I mean is, they looked almost sentient. Its face was contorted into a sick and twisted grin that stretched all the way across to its jaw revealing a set of very wicked, very sharp-looking teeth that had been chipped and broken in places. There was blood staining everyone, and a pair of jagged horns stuck out from its head at weird angles, and there were giant splits all over them. Some of them ran from the base all the way to the very tip. It slowly dragged itself closer to where the girl was anchored. Walking isn't the right word. Its deformed legs were sliding spastically across the ground, and it practically had to fight with them to stay upright. Once it became within touching distance of the girl, it gave an enormous bellow. And the girl screamed with fear, and began throwing her weight around again, trying to break free. 
The creature before her then began moving with extreme speed, and soon it became only a blur before me. The girl's screams became spluttered, gagging sounds, similar to the one I heard on the surface, and her eyes rolled back into her head, exposing the whites of her eyes. I watched in awe and disgust as blood began frothing from her mouth, and as her abdomen was ripped open, her organs receiving the same treatment as the incompletes. She gargled and hacked for ages as this being went to its demented work, moving with increasing speed. Pieces of flesh flew all over the place from her tattered body, and her stomach was somehow being filled before my eyes, making gurgling sounds that rose in pitch the more that was poured in. I threw up all over my chest. It was just too much. I looked away until the gargling stopped, but a part of me wanted to turn back around, and I had to focus with all my might to stop myself. When the girl finally stopped making sounds, I looked back and almost threw up again. Her stomach was filled with her own flesh and bones. I could see parts of her kidney, liver, pancreas and gallbladder all floating around from the semi-translucent exterior of the stomach as it churned and rumbled. I saw her insides being mixed with her stomach acid and she moaned in pain and exhaustion from the loss of blood. Her stomach looked like it was going to burst. The rest of her digestive system had already turned black. I had no idea why, though. Perhaps it was some strange side effect of the demon coming into contact with them. Who knows? The twisted creature had gone now and the light had returned to the chamber. The incomplete were screaming again, but the girl remained silent, just lolling her head from side to side. She had a look of disbelief on her face as she stared at her own organs hanging down, just barely touching the floor. I can only imagine. I suddenly felt extremely worried. In fact, I was going fucking crazy. I began breathing faster and faster, and I kept asking myself what was going to happen to me. Would I suffer the same fate as the girl? How painful would it be? How long would I stay alive? Would it be forever? I tried to calm myself down and control my breathing, but I couldn't. I just couldn't. I drew in a deep breath, focused my vocal cords, and began mimicking the incomplete. I screamed. Well, listeners, I hope both these stories got under your skin just a little. The first story involves a demonic cricket. Gotta say that's a first. And I'm not going to be hearing those crickets outside my house the same way after this one. Always listen to what the rituals dictate, mates. Otherwise, munch, munch, there goes your face. And the tale, dirt, seems like hell has frozen over and is reaching for souls that belong in the depths of the darkness to be forever tortured. How will this one pan out? Join me Friday, you epic audiophiles, and we'll get to the bottom of this one. <laughs>
Listeners, if you like the show and want to see me grow, subscribe, leave a review on any platform and tell a friend. Takes a couple of seconds and for the legends that are doing this already, or at least recently, that haven't left comments but I've left 5 stars reviews instead. You are magnificent people. For all of you that leave actual comments in the review, I'll be sure to read them out. I love it. And if you love what I do, visit my Patreon page www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt where you can donate monthly, where all funds fly right back into production. Now, I want to thank the unique and special people that have my back and support me for new stories, new OTRs, and basically improving the show overall month by month. Firstly, my Ode Knight Tea Titan, the Queen of Cats, and Queen of all things awesome for that fact, Maya. Footy punting this podcast into space with your support every month, Maya. I'm blown away with your tier of support, and you're nothing short of amazing, really. I put your donation this month straight into Filmora X, and I've used editing software in the past like Premiere, Shortcut, Final Cut, for all those Mac users out there, but I hate paying subscription. Like, I loathe it. <laughs> because the money sent my way, you know, is donated to me via your lovely souls, I'm super careful where the money goes. So I choose Filmora X in this case because I can get a lifetime subscription of a tool that is a powerhouse for editing. Cool things like drag and drop editing of footage, uh, you know, 256 special effects, really easy motion capture editing, because you know, who knows where I'll find a use for that, but at least I've got access to it. But what it means is future YouTube episodes will be quicker, more efficient, and saves me so much time and money, plus increases quality. So thank you, Maya. You are a godsend. I say it every month, and I mean it every month, and I hope you enjoy the last Sherlock Holmes episode as well. I put something very special at the end, just for shits and giggles. Thanks, Maya. And my wicked white two warlord, Leza Bowzooka, pew 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 pew, mate, thank you so much for your epic support. Thanks to you, my new plugins are working even better. Echoes, audio positioning, mouth clicks, and reverb is getting tighter and tighter, all thanks to your lovely self. Thank you so much, mate. Your support helps immensely every month, and it's always a joy getting your emails and chatting to you. Thank you, mate. You're one top-notch bloke. And my next wickedly awesome white tea warlord, Paige Kramer, the gal full of incredibly awesome facts and knowledge. Paige, it's always a joy to hear from you, and rest assured I'm putting time aside to respond to you this week. Thank you first and foremost for your communications and for your patience. I've been a little bit ill, so now I'm about 90% there, and I can't wait to put time aside just to chat to you. Also, I've been able to successfully transfer my website across from my old website host and even improve it. So thank you, Paige. My website is just that bit better thanks to your support. And like I said, I can't wait to sit down and respond to your lovely messages. Expect a message from me within the week. And my electric essential Earl Grey enforces. I am lucky to have. Chad Warren, Just Heather, Juicebox Andy, Peter Raffelli, Tasha Moncrief, Christina Boyd, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, Tea Time Drinker 1, and Divided by Zero. Goodness, you lot are amazing, and it's amazing to be basically 90% back to my old self, full of energy. <laughs> Thank you all for being brilliant and supporting me and the podcast. Blessed to have you, lovelies. If you know someone out there who's looking for their next podcast and wants perhaps something, you know, a bit different, 
send them my way. And stick with me Friday for more of the dirt story. And as always, listeners, till next we meet.